You're on Radio 1, 91 FM, The Politrix Show, here at Otago University Student Radio, and we are lucky enough to be joined on the phone right now by the man behind New Zealand's newest political party, the Opportunities Party, Gareth Morgan. How are you this morning? Oh, good morning. I'm very well, thanks, but wet up here, but otherwise... Right. Well, it's it's a big day. Uh, you know, you didn't get bumped by the biggest story. Uh, and in many ways, uh, you kind of dovetail with that story. Um, famously, last week, you made some headlines when you launched the party for saying uh, you would prefer to be compared to Donald Trump as opposed to Kim.com. Tell us a little yeah. about that. Well, I mean, the reason for that is because whatever you think of Trump, and most of us obviously are horrified, he does represent a um, hope, actually, for a large tract of the American population who feel that they have been neglected over a succession of presidencies now, um, and their interests not taken account uh, into account, and they've been left to sort of almost rot on the sidelines as you know the fruits of prosperity have been captured by people like bankers. Um, CEOs, um, high-paid civil servants, and these so-called elites. And, um, you know, that sense of alienation is very strong in America. I mean, I've spent quite a bit of time in those back blocks, you know, on motorcycle tours, and even last year I was there for, you know, um, about six weeks. And I can't, you just can't help but notice the difference between their view on the world and, you know, the view you get out on the east and west coast, whether you're in you know, Silicon Valley or over in Washington, D.C. I mean, the American dream these days amounts to aspiring to a trailer home down in um, those southern states mm, you know, mm. and a ride on tractor. That is now the dream. Well, That's we, a hell of a lot different dream than my generation had. That's right. And we, we do have a similar situation uh, in New Zealand, or at least the perception of one, uh, you know, out-of-touch ruling elites and uh, disenfranchised masses. And and that's been attempted to be tapped into um, before, but um, you're, you're looking like a, a good option uh, for some people. Tell us a little bit, I mean, from what I've seen from your um, campaign launch material so far, it's about equality, uh, it's about economic development. And it's about the environment. Um, what, what more can you tell us? And, and I am really interested to talk a little bit about, um, I guess, the difference between what the Opportunities Party represents and uh, the last iteration of this anti-establishment feeling in New Zealand, which was Kim.com's Internet Party. Okay, well, I mean, I do take the view that in New Zealand we do, uh, that the ruling elites are actually um, capturing far too much of the benefit. And in essence, since we restructured New Zealand, starting with Roger Douglas and then intensified by Richardson and that 1990s mother of all budget, I mean, if you look at it, to me, trickle-down hasn't actually worked. Um, I don't think there's any evidence to show that it has. And while the right wing will say, well, you know, inequality as we're measuring it right now is not getting any worse, they're missing the point that it actually got considerably worse as a matter of the Richardson reforms back in 1990. And the promise was, don't worry, just stay with us, folks. It will trickle down. Well, it hasn't trickled down. Mm. And so that inequality gap remains. And once you bring wealth into it, 
it really opens up. And, of course, the main driver of that has been increasing property prices, which, you know, benefits somebody like me who owns lots of property, and so I just get richer for doing absolutely nothing. Whereas if you're trying to get into that property market, it gets harder and harder. And if you're renting, you know, it's inevitable that your rent goes up as a share of income. So when Joanne and I bought our first house back in the 70s, the average house price in New Zealand was three times the average income. Now it's eight times, and in Auckland it's over ten times. Mm. Now if you take Germany, which is a far stronger economy than ours, it used to be three times back in the 70s, and it's still three times. So this, what we're talking about, this disparity growth, is not an, is not an inevitability of a successful economy, you know, and whereas here they're sort of saying it is, and I just disagree with that. And I think you actually need to have fairness and prosperity go hand in hand. And so what the top, uh, what um, Opportunities Party is all about is extending the number of opportunities to New Zealanders so far more people have the same sort of opportunities I had. Um, and I just think that's a part of the New Zealand ethos. You know, we are a fair-minded people, and I'm afraid it's been left behind. And so I'm sort of looking to position in there to stir up whoever the hell the government is. I don't actually care who they are, but to make sure that they make progress on these things. Because if we don't get it, and you have to have radical policy to do this, which I'm going to present between December the 8th and the end of February. So there'll be a lot of policy stuff coming through. But if we don't do this and do it fast, we are going to end up with an extreme reaction to this benign neglect. And that's what I think America is now dealing with. Yes, uh, so in the absence of paying attention to um, this this sort of sentiment, uh, you could get an extreme fringe right-wing party emerging with populism. Yeah, that's right. And then, you know, that sort of legitimizes the behavior of vigilantes and all those bloody distasteful aspects of, you know, civil society that none of us want. But, you know, that's, that's as far as it's been driven in America. And I'm just trying to say to New Zealand, for God's sake, don't drive us there. You know, you've already had the signal from first, what, the Brexit vote that nobody, mm. you know, nobody predicted. And now basically the Trump vote that, you know, the establishment certainly didn't predict. You know, what does it take? We've got to go to the same point here before we wakey-wakey. Yeah, let's so do the right you know. thing before it's too late. Now, some of that rhetoric that you just mentioned does seem to straddle the left-right divide. And um, I guess... You've, you've received a little bit of snarky criticism from some of the other left parties, you know, equality, um, opportunities. That's what they talk about. Um, how? Yeah but, that, yeah, but the difference here is I'm also, you've got to remember, I'm an economist by profession, and you do not sacrifice growth in order to do that. So, you know, you have to have a credible um, offering in terms of uh, ensuring that people's income growth continues you know you can't say well we're going to there's a fixed pie and we're going to cut the pie up a different way you know which is what the left has always been saddled with is that their growth that sorry their strategies tend to be anti-growth and pro-social justice i don't see those things as opposites they're not mutually exclusive no totally and and that i guess is what i have to prove to you now I'm I'm interested in this paradigm because because some of this straddling of the left right divide and and social justice combined with economic growth, that was that was in many ways the um, 
the sort of promise of the Internet Party in its early forms. Uh, and, you know, some people would say what um, really took them off the rails and got them less than they should have for the money they spent was was teaming up with sort of a, um, you know, nationalist, uh, socialist monoparty. Um, wh- what do you see as the differences between what the Internet Party was trying to do and what you were trying to do? And, and what mistakes do you think they made that you're not going to make? Well, the main problem with the Internet Party was that its leader was totally not credible. Right. Just that so he was a, a, a caricature, yeah. The, the Kim.com basically is viewed by most New Zealanders, I would suggest, as worthy of extraditing to the U.S. Sure. That basically what he did was is, is, is against all, it's against all values of fair play. You know, if somebody invests their life savings and the savings of others and that in creating intellectual property, you would expect, and you did it, say, you'd expect that to at least be protected for a while, wouldn't you, um, so that you can make a return. Well, he has no respect for that sort of stuff. So in terms of a role model to lead an anti-establishment, I think that was their first mistake, was just who did it. But, of course, he had the money. So, you know, the values go out the door because this man's going to run the, you know, run the check. And that's what happened in the Mana Party, of course, was, you know, Mana stood for certain things, values, Maori values, in terms of, um, you know, up north especially, um, but had no dollars. And it is a very unfortunate fact of life that to run a political campaign, you have to have money behind you. And so those two things came together. But unfortunately, that was the... End of it. Now, people say to me, well, you've got heaps of money, so you'll be able to, you know, afford a, 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 a glamorous election campaign. I, my response to that is, we will spend as little money as possible. I would far rather my money was spent in my humanitarian work that I do a lot of and my work in the conservation space than wasted on this crap, mm. you know. This, is, this is not, should not be driven by money. Now, I happen to have a lot of money. So, you know, when push comes to shove and we're head-to-head with these establishment parties and the heat of their campaign, well, I will match them in terms of money. But that's my last resort. I'm not doing that as my only um, claim to fame. Now, so that's really interesting that uh, you identify sort of copyright as one of the um, the main differences uh, between you and the Internet Party. So um, I guess... Would 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 the Opportunities Party then be open to absorbing some of the elements of the former Mana Party, or or how do you feel about that type of well, relationship? I think in terms of we're just talking about Mana, um, I think Mana's um, main platform, as far as I can see, um, is basically the rights of Murray, you know, and the and the rights of Murray demanded the treaty and honouring the treaty going forward. That type of thing is the core to me of Mana. Um, now, I'm definitely in that camp, totally. Um, so that's not an issue. And one of our seven policy things is about the Constitution, and you will see when we release that, that the Treaty of Waitangi is absolutely central to New Zealand's Constitution. That's what makes New Zealand unique, what makes New Zealand different to any other, you know, cookie-cutter bloody Western society. We are not a cookie-cutter um, carbon copy of Westminster or the, the UK. We are a combination of that, um, subsequent settlers, and the original um, uh, uh, Maori people. And, and, and you know, I've, I've done work in this area, so I'm reasonably familiar with it. And 
um, yeah, you'll see that that come through. So I don't have any sort of an, um, antipathy towards um, what Mana's core values are. Now, you're also famous for saying things that are true, but are things that people don't necessarily want to hear. Uh, and that is very... Um, doesn't usually work in politics. How do you plan to make that work? Yeah, well, it do- certainly doesn't work in establishment policy- politics, right? Establishment politics is all about not rocking the boat just in case we upset somebody, and that might be a vote. Well, I don't give a damn. I'm about championing what is right and what reflects New Zealand's values. And that's what I have to convince you in the next couple of months um, that we stand for. And if you believe me, if you agree with me, then you'll support me. If you won't, you'll suggest I go back to the beach and I'll do that willingly. (laughs) Well, and just finally, uh, before we let you go and get on to your very important business, um, you know, there's a couple of controversial issues which are very dear to the hearts um, of Otago students and that have kind of been seen as the third rails of New Zealand politics. And I know you're going to be making all your policy announcements in the new year, so I don't want to necessarily put you in a situation where you're saying anything that you're not prepared to say already, but um, one issue that's really been dogging the New Zealand political sphere for some time and that and that you recently, uh, or at least some of your organizations have recently um, spoken pretty robustly about and um, saying things that, you know, might not be safe uh, is the issue of cannabis law reform. Do you think that that's going to be an issue in this election? Uh, probably not in this election. Um, but really that comes back to, because that seems to me that cannabis law stuff is really hinges around well who does the use of cap- cannabis actually damage and who are pretty much immune to it in terms you know like if we compare it with alcohol for example mm. and you know you have to forgive me because I'm not an expert in this area but my reading of the literature in this area is that the people that actually affects most adversely is those people who aren't fully developed, right, young ones, right, in terms of their brains and that sort of thing. So beyond beyond that, there is no evidence whatsoever that it causes any more damage than alcohol. In fact, all the evidence points to less, actually, than um, alcohol. So when I was told that that's basically the guts of a cannabis issue, I said, well, isn't it just a matter of um, an age limit then? Right. Just wow. like alcohol isn't, I mean, I don't know what the age is. I've got no idea. But let's just say it's maybe 25 or something before your brain's fully developed. I don't know. Well, I would just say, well, isn't it fine for over 25s and not so fine for under 25s? Isn't, isn't that the problem solved? And, uh, you know, are you going to stick with your science principle or are you prepared to lower that age to get a few extra votes? Um, no, I would stick very much to the best of evidence approach. Totally. Um, because then, you know, I've got grounds to stand on. I'm not chasing votes. You'll soon see that when I start releasing policy. I want New Zealanders to think about the sort of seven things, areas that, that we are going to present and then say on balance or how many, how many, because you won't agree with everything. I mean, I think I've got enough there uh, to offend everybody in New Zealand. <laughs> Um, but, you know, you just got to say, on balance, we're all grown-ups here, aren't we? Well, you know, on balance, I don't agree with that one, but the other five or six I do or whatever, that's enough for me. And that's up to you. That's your prerogative as a voter. Well, thank you so much for taking uh, this amount of time to spend with us and explain that. And uh, it's going to be exciting, that's for sure. I mean, uh, New Zealand politics um, needs to kick up the pants. Maybe not so much of one as we had last time, uh, but it, it should be interesting nonetheless. Thanks for joining us, Gareth.
No trouble. I'm looking forward to coming down to Otago because I need to um, I need to get my head around. So anything that you can help here, why do young people not vote? And well, the corollary for that is what are the issues that would turn them out in the poll, polls and droves? And can we try, please, not to be centred purely on self-interest because that immediately turns me off. Well, see, you've, you know, it's kind of a catch-22 there. I mean, I've, I've got an opinion on this, so I'll say it before we go. Um, and it really does come back to the cannabis issue. And if you see um, the results of the American election, uh, in a landslide of right-wing populism for Trump, there were two red states that actually turned blue. And those two red states that turned blue were Nevada and Maine, and they were ones that had full cannabis legalization as a referendum on the ballot, and that turned out the youth vote. Um, it is self-interested. Uh, you know, it is white, middle-class self-interest that's driving that, but um, that's where we're at. Oh, I, don't, I didn't mean demographic interest, because that you're saying that's of interest to young people. I meant self-self meaning you and only you and the rest of you can pull up the ladder. Sure, sure. Yeah. Well, um, no, no. That's good. That's, that's helpful. Thanks, Ed. And, you know, uh, we're going to be really excited for you to come down here and definitely get in touch. We'll have you in the studio. And, um, yeah, exciting times. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, mate. All the best. Cheers. That was Gareth Morgan, the leader of the Opportunities Party, New Zealand's hottest new political party. You're on Radio 191 FM Politics. We have been...